Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 36 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Josie Goldman. Josie lives in Southern California, but she's from Brazil, which you're going to be able to pick up in her accent, and she works as a court reporter. Welcome, Josie. Thank you, Jen. Well, I'm so glad to have you here with us today, and I'm sure as a podcast listener, you know, I like to start off by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and how long ago that was and that sort of thing. Well, first of all, I'm very honored to be here and very excited, so thank you for having me. I guess I am just about a week or two shy of a year now in fasting. Oh, well, happy anniversary! Thank you. It's coming up soon. The first time I heard about fasting was a year before I started, more or less. And it was a group of friends that suggested 
this crazy idea about only eating eight hours of the day and not eating at all to rest of the time. And I'm just thinking, you guys are crazy. This is this is just an eating disorder with a fancy name. This is <laughs> right. You know what? People do say that. They they're like, yeah, that's that's an eating disorder. That's what people do who have an eating disorder. They don't eat. And so it feels that way at first if you don't know anything about the science behind it. And that was the problem because they were talking about it just about, you know, how you do this thing to lose weight, but there was no explanation as to why it worked. And I was highly skeptical. So one of them is actually sort of my best friend because I have a few very good friends and she's a very good friend. I didn't listen to her. (laughs) So when I started fasting a year later, she was like, I told you, (laughs) why didn't you listen to me? But you listened to someone else. But anyway, a year later, the short version is that I saw a picture of myself from an angle that I had never seen before. And I was horrified. And so I don't exactly remember what I said, but I said something on Facebook about, I don't know if I was putting my intentions out there or asking for advice, but it was someone from your group, one of your groups, I think she's on your bad group as well, but another court reporter that I met on Facebook, I have since met her in person now, but she mentioned intermittent fasting and I asked a couple of questions and I said, oh, I can't do that. I get super hungry. And she said, well, eating is what makes you hungry. And (laughs) I didn't believe her, but I I asked, I was open-minded and asking questions like, what do you mean? And, And she said, and then she mentioned the book and she said, I won't talk about it until you read the book. Read the book first and then we'll talk, which I think is a very wise thing to do. And I try to do it myself now. <laughs> you know, I think so too, because we hear people who who say, you know, I'm, I'm trying to tell people about intermittent fasting and they just give me backlash like you did when you first heard about it. Oh, it's an eating disorder. Oh, I'm too hungry to do it. And so, you know, instead of arguing, just say, you know what? Read this first. Read this and then we'll talk about it after you've read it. And that kind of turns it back on them and they they can either read it and learn about it in a different way, or, you know, you're not going to talk about it with them. And so it puts it, you know, back in their court. You're not just arguing from a place of not understanding. Yeah, because it's almost like you're speaking two different languages. You kind of have to have this common core knowledge of what you're talking about. So what I try to do now a lot is just like, it's all about the hormones. Here, read this book. So anyway, I read the book probably in two days. And then I bombarded her with questions. I think <laughs> I think I asked her 100 questions within a week. And I joined the, the Facebook group. And, you know, and I remember doing what I see now all the time is like, hey, it's my first day. Hold my hand. Make sure. Tell me I won't die. <laughs> tell me this is okay. And, you know, I made it. And it was surprisingly easier than I thought. It would still take some effort to get used to it, but I was someone who was completely obsessed with food. I could not go two hours without eating something. I was constantly planning my next meal. I like food. I'm a cook and a foodie, and I live in a very densely populated area with lots of good restaurants and good things to eat and lots of variety, and I like it all. I was never a person who tried to diet before, at least not consistently, I would start something and maybe go a couple of days, really. I'm a complete failure at dieting. So it got to a point where I like, I wouldn't even try it. Like I know all diets work if you do it, but I don't do it. I don't do it right. So I won't even try. Because it's just so hard to have to plan and 
exclude things and not eat what you really want to eat. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. The last thing I had done when I got in really good shape was Tosca Reno. I don't know if I'm saying her name right. Yes. That the, the clean, the eat clean diet, yeah. right? So I read her book on a vacation in Hawaii, and then I came back home and I started eating clean, and I started carrying this huge cooler of food in my trunk in the car and eating every three hours. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, oh, I totally remember that. She talked about carrying a cooler, didn't she? It was five to six meals a day. And yeah, it was great. I lost weight. I was very lean. I felt good because it was all whole foods and I never got hungry, but oh my God, the amount of work, the prepping and carrying all that food around all the time, you know, that was before I had kids or I had my son. Now I have a kid trying to work and just busier. There's no time for any of that. So, you know, when I had my son, within, I think, four or six months of breastfeeding, I kind of went back to my original pre-pregnancy weight. I had been a slim person my whole life without really trying much. I wasn't particularly athletic. You know, I was just thin, and I thought I would be thin my whole life. Right. And so when it comes easy to you, and you just kind of stay in a really good range, you don't realize how hard a lot of people are, are working at it until suddenly you have to start working harder yourself. You know, when you say the naturally slim people have no idea how hard it is, I had no idea how hard it is because I thought, you know, if I feel my weight creeping up, all I have to do is just, you know, watch my what I eat for a couple of days and it will be fine. And really, it used to be that easy when I was younger. It was just be careful for a couple of days. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I also had... I also had a lot of wiggle room because I was very little in my college years. I was very tiny. I'm 5'3", and probably then I was maybe 110 or 115 pounds. I don't know. I was trying to remember the first time I thought I was fat and I started dieting and eating like cottage cheese and stuff. And I was in college and I was probably that that ridiculous weight, you know. And um, I mean, I was so tiny. Like, what was I thinking? I wish I was as fat as the first time I thought I was fat. <laughs> yeah, we've we've seen that meme before. And it's true because, you know, when we were younger and we were like, oh, my gosh, look at this flab. And now we're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that was I nothing. I died to have that body again, right? Because I had a lot of regal room, things happened very slowly and gradually. And it, even this is maybe 15 years ago or 20 years ago where I started seeing different contours on my body and just feeling out a little more. And I kind of liked it because my body is sort of naturally sort of slim, but still curvy. I'm very hourglass shaped. So, you know, I can put on a lot of weight and still kind of look good. And that's what happened over the years. I, I was like, you know, I got pregnant and I lost weight. And then I started putting on weight again because I was a new mom, busy and tired. I had no time to exercise or plan meals or any of that. Or, or put everything in a cooler and drag it around and eat six times a day. No time for that. And just be so busy and stressed out that, you know, food was my reward. I deserve to eat this. I, you know, I'm working hard and I'm, life is hard and I deserve to have this cookie and this, all these treats and whatever, you know? So how much weight did you, did you put on in that period of time? Like how many pounds did you gain over what you feel is your good, healthy weight? 
it's hard to tell because it got to a point where I wasn't weighing anymore. I just kept buying bigger and bigger clothes. And I feel embarrassed to say this because a lot of people in the Facebook groups will, you know, I started at the point is their goal. Probably. Well, you know what, though? We shouldn't ever feel embarrassed about that because when you don't feel good in your own body, that's your own experience. And so, yes, you probably you know, started where a lot of people are trying to get, but that's okay because we all have different bodies. It wasn't so much where I was, but where I was going. I probably gained about 25 pounds slowly over probably six or seven years. And I was okay with, you know, buying bigger clothes and staying there, but I knew I was not staying there. I had all the behaviors of someone who's going to get obese eventually, and I couldn't stop eating. In some ways, I still am a binge eater. I like to eat and it's hard for me to stop. I just, I was obsessed and I felt sick, physically sick. I was always constantly tired. I, you know, because I'm a court reporter, I start my days very early. Sometimes I, you know, I have to be in court by eight o'clock. So I have to drop off my son at school first. And, you know, it's an early start to the day. And then sometimes I get lucky and I'm home by 11 or noon. And I would be so exhausted that all I could do is lie down. I wouldn't have energy for anything. I just kept thinking that there's something wrong with me. There's, it's not normal for me to be this exhausted. Every year, I would have a physical and ask my doctor, there's something wrong with me. Test my thyroid and test my vitamin D levels. And it was just, I didn't feel good. It was too bad. And I felt the weight. Like, I would feel the weight going upstairs. I would feel the weight on my legs and my feet. I had stopped wearing any high heel shoes. I was just wearing dresses with big skirts that would hide everything <laughs> and flats because I just wanted to be comfortable and I was just not feeling good. And, and like I said, I just, I was okay with being that size, but menopause is around the corner and I fully expected to explode, to just, to just, you know, gain 10 pounds in a year and go from there. So. Yeah. I, th- I think you made an excellent point because, you know, you knew that you were slowly but steadily putting on weight and you were not obese yet. But if you continued at that same trajectory, living the way you were living, it would have happened eventually. So, you know, thank goodness you found intermittent fasting when you did because you could reverse that. You could stop it instead of having it happen. You know, I remember the years I was gaining weight and, you know, trying my best to to stop it. And I would try this and I would try that and I would try the other going from thing to thing and nothing was working. It would work temporarily, then I would gain it back, but nothing ever felt like a lifestyle that I could do forever. And so it was kind of that panicked feeling and buying the bigger clothes. And I remember one time my husband said, you're filling out. And I I think I cried and cried. I mean, he probably doesn't even remember saying that, but yeah. And I felt so helpless. Yeah. Helpless. I did feel helpless and panicky because I knew I couldn't diet. I already knew that about myself. There's no way I can diet because I can't stick to anything more than a week. (laughs) And I think one of the first things that kind of gave me a bit of a wake-up call was that I seemed healthy. All my lab work was always within healthy range. But that year that I started fasting, I think the last physical I had before, my doctor told me that I was one decimal point away from being in pre-diabetes from, you know, my A1C. So I looked healthy, but my A1C was creeping up. 
my health insurance has all my lab results online for the last 10 years, which I didn't know. And I looked it up and it was amazing. So I was watching my A1C, my cholesterol and my blood pressure, even though it all was within range, my normal or my baseline had always been very low, like at the low end of the range. And over those 10 years, it slowly, everything went up. It kept going up every year. So even though I was considered to be healthy within lab numbers, but it was clearly something was wrong because things were not okay. So metabolically, everything was like going just in the wrong direction. And I think that the added weight, you know, shows that as we're feeling less healthy and our bodies are becoming less healthy, you know, we have the weight that you can see, but what you couldn't see were all those other indicators that now you can go back and look at. And even though they were quote normal, you weren't far from them being, you know, in the the danger range. No, I was going to get there. My family, all my aunts and uncles, the majority of them had type two diabetes. And, and I always thought I was like, oh, because they're fat and because they're their lifestyle or whatever. And I thought that I never thought that would happen to me. And there I was, I was heading that way. I had to do something about it. <laughs> and I think it's time for us to change the paradigm just a little bit. You know, we all, like you just said, you, you said, well, of course they have all, you know, type two diabetes, they're overweight. It's because they're overweight. And so we always think of it like we need to lose weight to get healthy. But You know, if we think about it the other way, we're not getting unhealthy because we're gaining weight. We're gaining weight because we're unhealthy. Right. That's why I couldn't just watch what I eat for a couple of days and lose weight because it's like Dr. Herring says, Dr. Burt Herring, like you have to get healthy before you lose weight and not lose weight to get healthy. I thought that was amazing. Like, oh, that's why. (laughs) That's how it happens. And I get it now. The weight gain is a symptom of the fact that you're unhealthy. Our bodies are not meant to be obese. You know, our bodies do become obese as a protective mechanism from all the things that are going wrong in our bodies as we overeat. But it's trying to protect us by shoving everything away and then we just get bigger and bigger. But it's a symptom of the fact that we're unhealthy. So when you first started the intermittent fasting, you said you just jumped right in. How did that go? Tell us about what it was like at the beginning. I started with 16-8 and just pure coincidence for the probably the month before I started doing IF, I was weaning myself off sweet creamer in my coffee. I had my, weaned myself off Splenda that I, I loved Splenda. I didn't know the details, but I just knew that it wasn't good for you. So it's like, you know, I'm going to have real food. So if it's sugar, it's sugar, but it, I'm not going to have fake sugar. So I was having the real, those delicious sweet creamers that are made with real sugar. And I love Oh, it. yo, I loved those. Uh-huh. I know which one I liked even. Yep. Yeah. So I started, what I did, I would start mixing. I, I would mix half and half into the bottle of the sweet creamer as I went through it. So each day was a little less sweet. You know what I mean? Until it was all half and half. And then I weaned myself off of the sweet, but I was still using the cream just unsweetened. So I was at that point where I was starting to thin out the half and half with milk, you know, so it was maybe (laughs) three quarter and not a half and half. But I was at that point where I started fasting. So it wasn't so hard to switch to black coffee because I had already gotten rid of the sweetness in the coffee. Then to just get rid of the, of the milk wasn't that far of a stretch. I didn't like it, but I survived. <laughs> right. It was okay. <laughs> and then I, I started doing, like, I think I started eating at 11 
And I sort of have a hard stop by seven, which is what works with my schedule. And I would have, for the first few weeks, I also, I didn't realize this until later. I think I was doing the carb addicts diet where you kind of limit your carbs for part of the day because I would start my day with a veggie omelet and I would eat a lot of like spaghetti squash or what else burrata with roasted vegetables I would eat oh, a lot. Yum. yeah a lot, all of those things and that's that was what I wanted to eat you know dinner was sort of fair game and I didn't eat anything in between or I would maybe I would snack a little bit but nothing crazy but it felt liberating I could eat I didn't mind feeling a little wave of hunger here and there if I could look forward to just eat whatever I wanted to cook that day, you know, and to go to a restaurant and not have to scan the menu for the least bad thing in, in the menu, just like find whatever is the most appealing as opposed to the least fattening thing in the menu, you know. So you were able to, you know, you, you talked before about describing yourself as a foodie and that you live in a community that has just amazing food. And so the feeling of being able to pick what you wanted to eat off of the menu about what sounded good instead of like what fit some preconceived I'm not, good food. I'm not ordering the salad with the dressing on the side. <laughs> and sometimes I order extra dressing. Oh, yeah. No, it's not. Give me all the dressing. Well, not the, I don't like <laughs> yeah. dressing so much, but I want all the cheese and the nuts and everything that goes with it. So two weeks after I started fasting, I think I was probably very bloated to begin with. So the bloating went away immediately. And I went to take a, a picture. You know, that first picture that horrified me was a picture that I took of my back because I had a funky sunburn. And then I saw all my back fat. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I didn't know I looked like that. And so two weeks after I started fasting, I went to take that picture again. And the difference was amazing. All those fat rolls in the back, they had disappeared. I had a waist and it was all smooth. Wow, in two weeks. In two weeks. And my shoulders had angles again. It wasn't just like a big round upper arm. You know, it was just incredible. So I showed that to my husband. He was blown away. This whole two weeks that I've been doing that, I, it wasn't a secret, but I wasn't really explaining anything. And he just knew I was doing something. After he saw that picture, he said, okay, tell me what you're doing. And then he said, I'm not going to read the book, but find me something on YouTube or something that will explain what this is. And I, so I started searching and the more convincing thing that I thought was up to his standards <laughs> was a BBC documentary on Dr. Walter Longo. Because he wouldn't be watching any like you know YouTuber, influencer, fitness person. He wants the science. He's a science guy. So he watched that documentary on his own. And then he found Dr. Fung's blog. And I think that's what really impressed him. Yeah, Jason Fung's work is very convincing, isn't it? Right, yes. And then we went to Hawaii again, two weeks into my intermittent fasting. We went to Hawaii. And then he read The Late Dawn Deny by the pool and started loosely doing but he he went a lot he's already slim to begin with but and he but he started doing 14 hours just to get his feet wet and for the longevity benefit we're new parents but we're old people with a young kid so we want to last a long time <laughs> i want to be old enough to see grandchildren and you know 
My husband does it strictly for the longevity benefits. So that's a legitimate reason to do intermittent fasting. It's not really all about the weight loss. My favorite quote that I say over and over, it's the health plan with the side effect of weight loss. And, you know, not everyone who does it needs to lose weight. And yeah, and he ended up losing 15 pounds. And that's why I still do it too. And I'll do it forever because I just want to stay healthy. And I, I like the way I feel when I'm fasted. And I just feel so much better and I want to grow old and healthy. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel too. And, you know, hopefully we won't have so many aches and pains and all those struggles that, that are so common. You know, I want to still be jumping around <laughs> when I'm 90 <laughs> or 100. So I'm glad that your husband does it with you. That's awesome. It's a lot easier when you have a family member who does it with you so they understand Yes. Yeah, I th- I think so. Not only having them do it with you, but understanding and supporting you, that's just key. I can't imagine trying to do it if I had, you know, a spouse who was combative or, you know, didn't think it was a good idea. That would be really hard. You did a smart thing by introducing him to the resources that would first speak to him. You know, the videos. You know, there there are a lot of really good videos out there, although there are also a lot of bad ones. <laughs> so, you have to screen them first because <laughs> some of the things are, are, you know, the quality may not be there. But, you know, you know that if you've got a fung video or something with long go, you know that it's going to be science based. That'll speak to our, our science husbands. Yeah. Or you find a really good video by some random person and it's like it goes well. And then 10 minutes in, they're saying that, oh, you can you can put cream in your coffee. Right. Like, oh, they're like, wah, wah. <laughs> No, not that one. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's so hard when people try to share videos in the Facebook groups. You know, we have our team of moderators. And, you know, if we tried to watch everything all the way through, we really couldn't. And so, you know, some moderators will watch them, but sometimes we just don't approve them because we don't know. Maybe the first five minutes are great and then it goes south. We only want to be giving good information to people out there. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired 
on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Now, I want to circle back around to something that's so, so, so important, and that is your progress photos. You know, you could tell within two weeks that there were changes in your body because you took photos. Did you wear the same exact clothes the second in the second set? <laughs> I wore no clothes. <laughs> no clothes. Okay, there you go. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> I know. Um, my friend from the group, she did tell me to to measure. So I took measurements, and I had measurements from like two years prior that I had taken when I, you know, one of those like, oh, I need, I need to diet. <laughs> so I took measurements and, and then I did not diet, but I kept the measurements. So I was weighing every day and measuring once a month. And I lost like five inches in my stomach. Everything got smaller. Yes. Especially my middle. I have always been very, you know, I had a, a small waist. I was just getting big in the middle. I was getting like just a pregnant belly, you know, my arms and legs were sort of the same. And I was getting in a barrel shaped body. It shrunk. It was amazing. I would get in a closet. That's the, the most dangerous, right? Right. It goes along with what you were seeing, all of your lab work getting worse with the, the A1C going up, your cholesterol and your blood pressure, that abdominal obesity, you know, getting that, that middle, that visceral fat all around your abdominal area is so solidly linked to these negative, you know, metabolic health outcomes that, you know, being able to see your, your belly fat go down and your waist get smaller is really important. So I lost my 20 pounds that I wanted to lose in four months, just, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down, all the way down to 20 pounds. So it was very quick. And I, I was so grateful. Sometimes I would look down and touch my body and just feel the difference. And I would burst in tears. I was so grateful. Like I found this secret. This is, this is how it works. I would get in the closet at night to change into my pajamas and I would stay in there for an hour just trying on clothes. My <laughs> All my five different sizes of clothing in the closet, I would start trying the smaller and smaller ones and and just like, oh my God, this fits again and I can wear this silhouette again. I, You know, I had started wearing all those trapeze tops that are very loose and, you know, that hide all the everything in the middle and I'm like, I don't have to wear these things anymore. You know, it's... And then I would get out of there and my husband was like, what were you doing in there for an hour? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we get it. You know, the, the joy of fitting back into clothes that you feel beautiful in. I mean, that cannot be overstated. I mean, for men and for women, men will feel handsome. We feel beautiful, but, or vice versa, a man could feel beautiful too, right? <laughs> but those four months, I wasn't even exercising. I would walk, I would go on walks and binge listen to your other podcast with Melanie. So it would be walking for an hour at a time, but just very leisure, you know, just nothing extreme. I would maybe do Pilates maybe once a week or if so, sometimes some weeks it wouldn't happen. So it, it wasn't like I was exercising and sculpting this new body. It was just a fasting. And like my legs got so different looking. They, they were looking better than when I was running marathons and running 30 miles a week. I actually pulled up one of my 
pictures when I was crossing the finish line at a marathon and I was looking at my legs. And I'm like, oh my God, my legs look so much better and so much slimmer now and so more defined. And I haven't even been running at all because I have an ankle injury now and I can't run. So it's fantastic. Yeah, that's that the magic of body recomposition that we hear time and time again with intermittent fasting because of the fasted state and what goes on in our bodies hormonally. Of course, we tap into our fat stores because we're doing the clean fast. So it just, you know, eats up that fat. But we also have the hormonal changes that can lead to muscle building. You know, the human growth hormone increases. You know, Dr. Jason Fung is doing some research showing that bone density is going up. So, so many positive things are happening. So we are actually are building our bodies. And so we have more muscle. And I love that you're seeing that. Yeah, I wonder if that's what's happening now. Because I have regained a couple of pounds, but I'm still at the same size. I have the same measurements. I have been working out a lot more. I've been going to Pilates maybe four times a week. You know, I bought one of those fancy scales because in the beginning when I was weighing myself, I was just using a plain scale. And I'm like, I'm not interested in a weight so much. I want to see my body fat go down. Because I think I was over, I think maybe at 32% when I started and it's down to 25% now. And I lost 20 pounds and then I lost 22 pounds. And after four months too, I changed the nothing and I the weight loss stopped. It just stopped there, it stalled. And I was like, what's different? Nothing is different. And then, and then I started realizing maybe something is different because I'm eating more. <laughs> it's just, you know, seco doesn't work, but calories do count. It's just, I'm, I'm probably eating too much because I like to eat. Well, we can eat too much, you know, even though we, we don't recommend calorie counting because there's so many flaws, you know, to that. You can overeat food (laughs) and eat too much, a large volume of food more than your body needs. So were you finding that you were hungrier or was it just because you were kind of relaxed into the lifestyle? I think a little bit of both. Like I think maybe my schedule and the way I eat would be, oh mad, it would be better for me to do one meal a day because once I start eating, it's hard to stop. I don't know. I, I seem to never make it that far because the few times that I tried, if I go past 18 hours fasting, in the beginning is easy, but then give it, you know, I do that more than three times a week, then I start binging. It's hard. I don't know if I stuck with it that maybe it would go away, but I prefer to, I think I do better. Like I binge if I fast 20 hours and then I eat for four hours, I just eat to the point of discomfort in four hours. But I don't, I don't gain any weight either. But then if I go back to my 16 to 18 hour fast, which is my sweet spot, then I seem to be able to control more what I eat and not binge. And then, and then I actually lose some weight. See, I really want to take a minute to, to emphasize this because this is so important. You know, we get caught in the whole, the shorter your window, the better it's going to be. But that is not true because we all have a different sweet spot. Now for you, an eight-hour eating window has worked very, very well. You know, six to eight, it sounds like you, you kind of vary between six to eight on most days. And if you start getting too close to a six-hour window for too many days, that's when the binge behavior comes back for you. And if you try to fast longer, binge behavior. And see, that is your body telling you that's too much for you. And I love that you listen to your body. Yeah, I kind of figured that I'll be doing this forever anyway, so there's no hurry. (laughs) You know, I'll just fine tune. If this doesn't work, let's try something else. And also because I'm in maintenance, I'm at my goal weight or maybe at my goal body, which is a better way to say it. 
I am not as motivated to try so hard. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, I could cut the sugars and the carbs and lose a little more, but I look pretty good already. <laughs> I'm not as motivated to try that hard. I mean, I did lose, like I got down to 125, which was my goal weight. I'm 5'3", and I looked very good. And my husband was telling me I looked very good. And, but, and then I remembered, you know, in college, I was at least 10 pounds lighter and I still look good. I didn't look too thin. Yeah. It's entirely possible that you're smaller at a higher weight. I think I am because I found a bikini picture from when I was 24 years old. And then I took one now and it's virtually the same, maybe even better if you don't consider the extra skin from pregnancy and which is, you know, actually not bad at all. So I think I am smaller at the same weight than I was. But so I was thinking like, oh, okay, I'm, I know I can afford to lose a few more pounds and not look sickly thin, you know. But then I started losing just a couple of pounds more. Like I went down to 123 and that's when everybody started telling me, stop losing weight. That's enough. That's, you know, even my husband said, I can see it on your face and your face is starting to look gaunt. And I think this is good enough. <laughs> and then it got to the point where, it, you know, I wasn't, so much losing in my belly and my and my thighs anymore. It was my it was my boobs that were going. And they're like, oh no, this is no. <laughs> I mean, was like, safe. that's enough of that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just think that's so important for people to listen, you know, to what you're saying about the scale weight versus your size and not chasing that number on the scale or worrying if you if two pounds are back up on the scale because your clothes still fit and you still feel strong and good. Right. I still weigh every day, but I I had never been that kind of person who just lets the, the scale just ruin your day. And I kind of forced myself to weigh every day because I wanted to see with my own eyes that, yes, fluctuations do happen. And it's not going to be a straight line down to the bottom. It's going to be up and down, up and down, all the way down, you know. And I think that also we try to make correlations with what we ate immediately before. And I don't think it works that way. Like, oh, I had that muffin yesterday and I gained two pounds. And I think it's more of an average of what you've been eating the last week, you know. Definitely. And even like your cycle, where you are in your in your cycle for women especially, or did you work out? You know, that can cause you to retain water. So many factors. Right. And I know that if I'm if I'm gonna have something really salty, I'm gonna have I'm gonna be a little heavier the next day. But I just do it purely for the data. I don't get upset over it. Yeah, that's the best way to use the scale. Just look at it as feedback, look at the, the number and and don't let it stress you out. Do you use any kind of apps with your weighing? I use window and I use zero. And for a while I was using Happy Scale as well, but I don't use Happy Scale anymore. And even now I still track my fast with the window and zero, but I don't actually open my scale app when I get on the scale. So I'm tracking the weight, just I see it in the morning what it is, but I, I'm not actually recording the data on my phone anymore. Okay. Does it automatically sync with it? Yeah. If I open the app, it will automatically register in uh, you know, the Apple Health, which syncs with Windows. So I'm not tracking it that way anymore. And I'm very, uh, like, I think I'm close to the point where I maybe will stop weighing every day and maybe just do it once a week or and even with the fasting, I'm like, you all, I kind of have know what my time now, it's pretty much I eat between one and seven. I don't have to be so strict anymore. And like, I, you know, wait to open my app before I put a bite of food in my mouth. <laughs> 
I can kind of wing it now. We do see that with beginners. Like you'll see a beginner who's just starting and they have their app and they'll take a photo of something and they're like, I've got 30 seconds before I can eat. <laughs> you know, because they're, <laughs> but I, I did that. I'm not laughing at you, beginners. I am not, not laughing at beginners. I did it. <laughs> yeah, we all do. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while to get, you know, so you're a little more relaxed with it. And some people can never get too relaxed because that can be like a slippery slope. Yeah, I see myself getting too relaxed sometimes. In I like to eat. So I, you know, I, I have to play little tricks with myself. Like, okay, I'm going to have, I'm going to open my window. I'm going to have a small meal until I'm satisfied. And then I put like a two hour timer on my watch and like, okay, you're going to have to have a mini window inside your window where you don't eat. <laughs> so like after an hour or two, depending on the day, you can have a snack. And then thankfully after an hour or two, I'm not hungry anymore. <laughs> so I don't need a snack. So I kind of have to play tricks with myself. I think that's a great strategy. What you said earlier really resonated with me. You talked about how back when you were eating all day, every couple of hours you were always thinking about, is it time to eat? Is it time to eat? Is it time to eat? Yeah, me too. I was constantly obsessed with, can I have a snack now? Is it time for a snack? Can I have another cup of coffee with my creamer? You know, is that appropriate? Is it time for lunch? You know, always looking at it. But even, you know, for me now, like you said, I do have to think, am I really hungry or do I just want to munch on something? Right. Yes. I had all these clothing. I have five different sizes of clothing in my closet. And I decided to do an exchange party where I I invited like a hundred people from, you know, my Facebook friends. And I set a date like two months ahead. And I said, start saving your donations. We're all going to go through each other's piles before we give it all away. So I actually got like almost 20 people coming. So I had to go out and rent like garment racks my living room was complete disaster. We, we were just, I told everybody to come wearing bikinis so you could try things. <laughs> it was a disaster, but it was amazing. We, everybody left with something and nobody took anything back. I love it. So people just like donated it to like, we're all just pitching in our clothes that we can't wear. Take what you want. Right. Cause it wasn't exactly an exchange. I said, if you want to exchange something, if you want something that's you know, a high designer, high, you know, expensive item, maybe just list it in the group before for a price, but don't bring it in because whatever is out on the table and on the garment racks is fair game. You know, it's just to be taken. And everybody left with something, nobody took anything back. And I had over 300 items left over in my living room. And my husband came downstairs and he was horrified. <laughs> he was like, is this really better? Because it was, it was a disaster. But I cataloged everything. I had over a dozen big boxes to donate. And I found a charity that came to my house and picked it all up a couple of weeks later. And it was so much fun. And now they all, my friends, would like, you have to do this every year because it was great. And it was fun to just try on things that you wouldn't buy, but you just want to see what it looks like on you. You know, <laughs> it was great. So that's the one thing. And the other thing is that I, you know, I never made a secret about what I'm doing and the fasting. So if people ask, I I won't go out of my way to tell people, but if they ask, I'm all about it. And, you know, I would tell, the first thing I tell them is about the book. I think there's many books out there, but I think your book is probably the best. 
because it's an easy read, it's well-written, and it grips you from the beginning, uh-huh. and it explains the science without making your eyes glaze over. <laughs> you know, it's very relatable. That was my goal. I wanted it to be something that you could hand to a friend that didn't really like to read, but might would read something short. And, you know, I've written a dissertation, so I know how to write in like a formal way, but that wasn't my intent with Delay, Don't Deny. I tell people it's an easy book. You're going to read it in a couple of days. It's not expensive. Just read the book. <laughs> and even for men, I thought I thought that maybe it would be like a too girly of a book for my husband to read because he's not interested in diets and, you know, he hasn't been through any of that. But he enjoyed the book as well. I thought that when I wrote it, I was like, is this only going to be something women like? Are only women going to read it? But it turns out men have enjoyed it too. So I was really glad. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, I, but I get it. I actually planted a book in a little library. My neighbor has one of those little neighborhood libraries that you exchange books for free. So I actually bought, because I read it on, on Kindle. So I bought a hard copy and I put a note in, in it saying, this changed my life. Just don't keep it to yourself. Read it and put it back and keep it in circulation. So, uh, yeah. We've actually done that, too. My husband has dropped one into a little library in our town just for fun. Yeah. So I kind of feel like a little ambassador of IF now of, because, I, you know, it was very noticeable, my weight loss. And I was telling everyone and I, you know, every once in a while, I post something on Facebook about it. One of the first things I did was I went live once to explain why the clean fats are so important and the difference between fasting and starving. I had a friend who was visiting and she was trying to fast, but then she confessed like midday that she had cream in her coffee. And I was, and I was like, I think I understand why it's different because you basically, you're ending your fasting, but you're not eating. So now from that moment on, you're starving. You're not fasting anymore. Right. That's exactly true. I I have a friend, the same thing. And it was after the new year and she sent me a message and said, I'm really struggling because I'm starving all the time. She's like, I'm just, I can't do it. And I'm like, well, you are in early days. So, you know, I get it. But what are you drinking <laughs> during the fast? And then she listed all the things and it was like diet sodas and you know, water enhancer drops and creamer in her coffee, but it was sugar-free, fat-free. I'm like, okay, now we know why you're hungry. Good news. You can fix that. Because, you know, pe- people people are stuck in the hole. It's the calories. It's just the calories, you know, and you've got to get that out of your mind. It is not just the calories. It's far from that. It, the fasting is so much more than just, you know, having zero calories. And yeah. Say goodbye to performance robbing engine deposits with Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Hate to break it to you, but lower grade fuel can leave deposits in your engine that build up over time and leave your engine's performance severely lacking. Thankfully, Shell V Power Nitro Plus removes up to 100% of performance robbing deposits with continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors. Download the Shell app today to find your nearest Shell station and rejuvenate your engine with Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Fuel up at Shell. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. 
I love that you consider yourself to be an IF ambassador because even now, even, you know, this morning I was reading posts in the Facebook group and somebody was talking about a struggle that they have. And I get that this is a real struggle, but she has a woman's group and they get together and they read and they have a book club and it's not when her window is open and she's been eating, but she doesn't want to anymore. And so she's like, what do I do? I don't want to eat at this time of the day and the food is not worth eating. So what do I do? And it always surprises me. The suggestions, people are like, oh, tell them you already ate. Oh, tell them, you know. And I'm like, why? Why do we want to lie to people about it? I find that people really don't care whether you eat or not. As long as you make the time to be with them, they don't care if you're sitting at the table and drinking your sparkling water or whatever. I've been to restaurants with my mom and I just ordered green tea. People don't care. They just they just want your company. They don't they don't need you to eat. <laughs> But and I also think that the whole idea that we have to make up elaborate lies about what we're doing, it makes it feel like we're doing something that's secretive or shameful or not to be shared. And and I love the fact that you've embraced it. You know, you're open with what you're doing and, and saying, hey, you know, read about it yourself and maybe you'll be open to it, too, especially since you were initially skeptical. Yeah, just recently I was in a courtroom and I was packing up after my hearing and I heard the clerk tell the judge, Oh, thank you for my bagel, Judge. I'm not, I didn't eat it yet because I started intermittent fasting. <laughs> of course, my ears went right up, right? Like, what? So she had just started like two weeks prior. And then she said there's another clerk in the, that same courthouse that has been doing for a year. And so, yeah, there's more and more people doing it. It's not, it's some, one of those things that you mentioned intermittent fasting. And even if they don't know what it is, they have heard about it already. It's true. And when I was on the Delay Don't Deny cruise in March, you know, everybody was always like, y'all are a big group. What are y'all? What are y'all doing? And we talked about how we're a group of intermittent fasters. And I mean, I remember we're sitting in the hot tub one afternoon and there were all these college girls there on spring break. And they were like, yeah, my professor does it. He lost 70 pounds or, you know, we're standing in the line for sandwiches. And they're like, oh, yeah. You know, someone said, my brother does that. And in fact, somebody that I met in the sauna is now in the Facebook group. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I met, I met Jen in the sauna. <laughs> I was walking back from school this morning and one of the dads that was walking back with me, he's like, oh, I've, I've been reading your Facebook post about the late on the night. And, you know, there's, I am constantly talking about it because people are asking me about it because I'm, I'm putting it out there. Right. So my husband is always like, he catches me talking about commitment fasting and he's like, were you proselytizing again? <laughs> Like I'm not. They asked me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling them. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard not to share when you feel so good. And, you know, you mentioned at the very beginning that you used to be really tired when you would come home from work and you would need to take a nap. You know, how is how is your life different now? Oh, completely. I have so much energy. And that's why I kind of struggle a little with maybe changing my window and eating later in the day because I, I as soon as I eat, my productivity just tanks. Thankfully, I have a type of work that I can be very flexible with my time and I go to bed very early, so I still like to stop eating at seven. And if I only eat four hours, I know that's not good for me. I have to do that thing where I I have to go back to what I did in the beginning, which is keep my first meal very uh, whole food based. I'm okay with carbs if they are like potatoes and rice, but not with processed carbs. I noticed that. I can eat my vegetables and I can eat a big meal for lunch as long as it's, it's all whole foods, you know. And then I don't feel so tired. 
And so you're you're eating that way because you feel better when you're eating those foods. I'm not too good to eat a, an Oreo cookie every once in a while, or, but I started eating less and less meat and drinking a lot less as well. We used to drink wine every night, and now I drink it maybe twice a week. Yeah, I'm slowly cutting down on wine myself just because even with the dry farm wines that I love so much and I, I feel better when I drink those, I still notice I don't sleep as well when I have the wine. Versus, you know, if I have two glasses of wine, I'm going to have a hard time sleeping. One seems to be okay, but yeah, I'm drinking less wine. And, and it's interesting to watch it evolve, not not because I'm like forcing myself to do it. But yeah, I think I don't feel like wine tonight. I'm like, who am I? Oh, circling back to the boat, talking about IF. So I, I didn't start the group, but my friend who told me about intermittent fasting, because I had so many court reporter friends asking, she ended up opening a fasting group for court reporters on Facebook. <laughs> There's not a lot of people. But you know, I think people they hesitate to join because I was like, we don't need a group. There's plenty of really good groups out there. But I think people really like to be in a small setting with people they know, you know, at least to get started. And so she opened the group and I'm an admin on it as well. And uh, it's, you know, we don't have a lot of movement, but it's open for anyone who would like to join. And I feel so happy when I see people who are who see the benefits right away, like it's really working for them and they, you know, they're grateful. And then sometimes you see the opposite where like, oh, I've been doing this for two weeks or I've been doing this for a month or two and I see nothing happening. And I remember this analogy that I, I don't know if it was your podcast or Grinfeld's podcast. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately. And it was this thing about how you you have an ice cube in a very cold, in a freezing room, and your goal is to melt the ice cube by creating heat in a stationary bike. So let's say the room is at 20 degrees, and you're trying to melt that ice cube, and you're working away at that bike, and you know nothing is going to happen until the room gets to 32 degrees. And the room can be at 30 degrees, and the ice cube is not melting, and you might be thinking nothing is happening, but you you actually increased it by 10, 10 degrees. So, And I think that's how it happens in the body. Like your body has to kind of cross that threshold where you're finally healthy enough where the fat is a priority to be dealt with. You know, you don't know whatever funky things that it's happening inside. You may be growing a tumor you don't know. Or I, I love hearing all the stories of people with chronic diseases that are getting better. I had a, uh, another Facebook reporter friend who had Charcot-Marie disease, which is a degenerative disease of the nervous system. It's almost like MS, but instead of the central nervous system is the peripheral nervous system. And of course, I looked it up, fasting and Charcot-Marie disease, and there is a specific study on that with very promising results. So I'm sending her a private message out of the blue, just like, you know, I'm doing this thing for weight loss, but you should look at this study because it's very interesting. <laughs> and that's what my husband is like, you, you, this, you can't come out of the blue with people, you know, to say stuff like that without them asking. But I'm like, you know, she needs to know. She needs to know. <laughs> I'm like you. If you have this information and, and you're helping your friend and you're just sending her something to look at that, that might help her. And then, you know, how great will it feel to know that it's helped her? We can't help it. We have to share. And I like to send solid information. Like I found a, an actual study, you know, and you can find studies with fasting for a lot of different diseases and a lot of, you know, even if it's not a full study, but it was just a side note on a different study for something else, you can find stuff. So I tell everybody who I think need to know. <laughs>
I think that's great. Now, we are really almost out of time. So in a very short one minute or less, what would you tell somebody who's just starting off? Or is there anything you wish you knew when you first started? I think I had good good guidance from the beginning. Yes, take measurements, I think is a good tip. I think you don't need to try and get it right, right from the beginning. You don't have to struggle. I think you have to get off the struggle bus. <laughs> Make it easy. If at first you can only do 12 or 14 hours, do 12 or 14 hours. It's going to be better than what you were doing before. You know, if you can fast longer, but you, you don't want to eat, you still like processed foods and you, that's the stuff that you like to eat, eat that. But fast, it's still going to be better than it was before. I like watching the Butter Bob videos because I think he's so kind and just compassionate. And it's be kind to yourself. You're, gonna, you're not going to do this until you lose weight and then stop. You're just going to do it forever. So don't make it hard. Just start easy. Like I was lucky that I was weaning myself off of the sweet coffee before. But if that's the one little change you need to make is just to push your start, you know, decreasing the cream in your coffee until you need less and less. And like, it doesn't have to happen all that same week. You can take every week, you make a little improvement. Exactly. With the goal being, you know, to find the the clean fasting lifestyle, but you're getting there. And naturally, you're going to want to eat better foods and you're going to want to eat less. And you're going to feel like it feels really good to feel empty, not hungry, but empty. They're two different feelings and it feels really good. I know what you mean. Yeah. And then you get that full feeling and you feel weighed down. Yeah. Well, on that note, Josie, thank you so much for talking to us today. And um, I think our audience is going to really get a lot of wisdom out of what you've shared. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.